Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Every night at 8 o'clock we give you something great when it comes to the NFL draft. And the Chicago Bears return now to a three-time national champion of Alabama. Also a former Chicago Bear, ESPN Radio College Football Analyst Barrett Jones joins me. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Barrett, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. What's up, Jonathan? I'm glad you worked in that former Chicago Bear. It was only two months, but it was a great, <laughs> it was a great two months. Well, what's uh, a bear? Always a bear. Hey, you, you put on the blue and orange, so you deserve that. Well, I appreciate that. It was it was a brief time in my life, but I, I did enjoy being in Lake Forest. It's a great, uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. Barrett, I'm glad you spent some time. I just want to find out what's going on with you and your family uh, throughout this uh, COVID nineteen. Everything all right? Yeah, we're we're doing okay. You know, it's uh, it's it's been a very uh, serious situation for us, just because uh, my wife is very pregnant right now. So uh, we're we're expecting a baby in two weeks, and we're trying to get to the home stretch and just stay healthy and. Obviously, want to be able to be around our child when he's born, and so uh, having a boy in two weeks. So it's uh, it's been a very different experience, maybe uh, for us than, than others, even because uh, we're you know we're, we're kind of in the home stretch here and trying to make it safely. Barrett, tell me who was the best player you saw uh, in college football last year? Oh man, the best player I saw in college. I saw so many good ones. Uh, you know, I, look, the two that come to mind are, are not going to be a. Uh, you know, that's surprising because I think Joe Burrow had one of the great seasons we've ever seen in college football. I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've, you know, I know, I know Southerners have the reputation for only thinking football is played in the South, which most of them, to be honest with you, uh, probably think that. But you know, there was a lot of debate over the last few weeks in the South of who had the better college football season. Was it Cam Newton in 2010 or, or Joe Burrow this year? Because uh, just I don't think I've ever seen a player in college football improve as much as I saw Joe Burrow improve from – uh, year one at LSU this past year. I mean, he was absolutely unbelievable. Obviously had a great cast around him. And the other one is Chase Young. I mean, Chase Young was an absolute force to be reckoned with. I'd say the one caveat, maybe why I tip my, my hat to Joe in, in this, is just because uh, Chase Young, he did play really well uh, in, in that playoff game, but but didn't necessarily have an impact play. You know, And I know from defensive end, maybe you, you know, obviously you can impact the game a little bit more as a quarterback sometimes. Uh, but but didn't have any sacks in, in the clutch, you know, big time moments. And uh, Joe Burrow obviously made a bunch of plays down the stretch to, to lure his team to victory. So, uh, but both of those guys had incredible seasons, and you know, no coincidence that they'll probably be number one and number two uh, in the draft. But I thought this season was a, a really exciting college football season. You know, even as an, as an Alabama guy, I graduated from Alabama. I think it was probably refreshing for a lot of people to see a little bit of new blood in there, that not just another Alabama Clemson matchup, and so. Uh, I think it kind of reinvigorated the sport in some ways and uh, hoping that we can, can continue on that momentum uh, this year. Barry Jones from ESPN Radio College Football Analyst with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I'm, I'm concerned about Tua Tungavailoa, uh, Barrett, because last time we saw him on the field, just a devastating, crunching injury that he suffered. It was just it was hard to watch and to see him now on film where he he looks good and he's practicing and he's upright. I, I just want to know what you think he looks like at the next level because I don't know, do we get the same Tua we saw at Alabama or will he be a different type of Tua based on that injury that he suffered? 
Yeah, look, I'm I'm a big Tua believer. I mean, I think he's I think he's really a uh, you know once in every few years kind of talent. I really I'm very high on him. You know, I've got a lot of friends who are coaches in the NFL and uh, who still play in the NFL and who watch a bunch of this tape. And man, I've had so many calls from guys who once they turned on Tua's film, they were just they were blown away really. And, and what they saw, I mean, I think everyone you know seen has seen the flashy plays. But what makes Tua so special in my mind are, are two things. Number one is accuracy. I mean, he's incredibly accurate, uh, you know, especially with with the way he throws the slants on the RPO that turn those 10-yard gains into touchdown. And the other thing is he is incredible at processing information. Probably the thing that makes him the most special and different and unique from other quarterbacks is he, he really has an ability uh, that many a lot of college quarterbacks don't have to you know, get from his first to second to third reads so quickly and, and instinctually know what the defense is doing. And so – like I think he's a really special player, and you know, obviously got hurt in some big moments, and that kind of led, I think, to a reputation that was somewhat unfair of him not playing well, you know, in big moments because he had several injuries in those in those times. And I thought he had a, a very gutsy performance against LSU uh, this past year, and what was one of the best games of the year, I thought, that Alabama LSU game. And you know, I, I do think he'll be healthy. I think everyone kind of thinks about Bo Jackson when they hear a hip injury and. You know, really talking to a lot of medical personnel, it's very different from that injury uh, in, in a lot of ways. And you know, every everything out of his camp seems like he'll make a full recovery. I mean, probably you know, is there something to him being somewhat injury prone? I mean, that's hard to argue. Obviously, he's gotten injured a lot. Uh, you know, the, the high ankle sprains—you could make arguments those were kind of both freak injuries. If you go back and watch the tape, where someone just sort of landed on his ankle in a weird way. And uh, so, you know, I, I hope he stays healthy because when he's healthy, he's really special. But look, here's the reality, Jonathan: is that uh, NFL GMs talk themselves into uh, quarterbacks all the time in, in the first round that have half the talent as Tua. Uh, so there's just there's no doubt in my mind that Tua is going to be a top five pick. I said that even right after he got hurt when people were trying to say, would he go out? I said people will forget about this injury and they'll start watching the tape and some GM will talk themselves into making it to a top five pick. So uh, I'm a believer in him. I think he's a great kid. All, all, all Everything I talked about him football-wise, I mean, I know him a little bit. He's such a great kid, has a great family, and I think will make a, an excellent franchise quarterback and a great team leader. Ryan Pace, the general manager for the Bears, have been has been asked several times since he's been the GM whether he believes in drafting a quarterback. You know, the the old Ron Wolf theory back in the day would be to draft a quarterback every year until you find the right one, uh, especially young quarterbacks. And, and Pace has not done that. He's a, got Nick Foles in the mix here as he's going to battle with Trubisky. That's one thing. But when you take a look at the middle to the bottom of some of these quarterbacks, there's Burrow we talked about, Tua, Justin Herbert. Uh, there's Jacob Eason, the former Georgia guy with Washington, Jalen Hurts. What, what stands out most about some of these quarterbacks that will be taken? Yeah, it really is a very intriguing class. I mean, I think you know, Jacob Eason, obviously a guy who uh, has some great moments on tape. I saw him twice last year and then had some horrendous moments where you're just kind of wondering what in the world he's doing. You know, uh, probably the guy I saw three times last year who I have the hardest time deciding is Justin Herbert. I know there's been so much said and talked about with with Justin Herbert and, and his ability to, to you know be a leader and make plays in big situations because when you look at him on paper he has so much talent I mean it's just unbelievable talent uh, he, he's got that frame that you want in a prototypical quarterback uh, but but I'm, I must admit there were times down the stretch in big games where he didn't make plays and my lasting impression of him was when I saw when I called the Pac-12 championship last year uh, you know it, where he really came out and played pretty well so 
uh, he, he had some he had some big moments and he had some bad moments. I'm still just unsure, honestly, on, on what I think about him. You know, another interesting one that there's been probably uh, an equal amount of debate over is Jordan Love. I've seen him before too. It's uh, a guy who has a, a you know a same kind of deal, a ton of talent, uh, makes some awesome throws, but then had a really weird, uh, uncustomary senior year where he didn't really look like the same guy. Now they had a new coaching staff, so there are some really interesting guys, uh, you know, on down the board. Jalen Hurts, another guy you mentioned who I've seen a lot of, you know, will be very interesting to see how he uh, develops as a, as a pro and. You know, can he take that next step as a passer where he's able to, you know, kind of diagnose coverages a little better? Uh, obviously, took a big step, I think, this year under Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma offense. So there are some intriguing names, but I do think we're going to see some really good quarterbacks out of this class overall because I think Joe Burrow uh, is going to be really good, and I think Tua is going to be good. And, man, even if you're talking about two, two, you know, true franchise quarterbacks, that's a, that's a good quarterback class with a, several other guys who are very intriguing, you know, one or two, one of one or two of which I think will also turn into – you know, franchise guys. So I think it'll be a, a big year. And, you know, it feels like, Jonathan, we always see more quarterbacks go in the first round than we expect. Uh, I, I think somebody will sneak in the back end maybe that, you know, that we didn't, that we maybe didn't see coming. Well, maybe some of these quarterbacks will be pushed down because of the wide receiver class, right? Now, I, listen, I hear the hype just like you hear the hype. I don't know how this draft's going to happen. All I know is I look at myself as a college football fan, Barrett, and just I can just look at a list and say, I saw that guy play. I've seen and know how many times I've seen him play. Like, for instance, with Judy and Ruggs from Alabama, I know how, how terrific they are. I know what C.D. Lamb brings to the table from Oklahoma, T. Higgins from Clemson, Jefferson from LSU. I've, I've seen all these, these players. That even though the hype is, hey, this is a talented wide receiver class, I'm just wondering, what is there going to be a plethora of a wide receiver is taking the first couple of days because I see talent up and down this list in front of me. No, you're exactly right. I mean, I, you mentioned a, a lot of guys there. Another guy who I've been hearing a lot about in the first round is Denzel Mims from Baylor. I think mm-hmm. he's a guy who's very intriguing, who ran really well at the combine, a big kid at 6'3". And, uh, I think he ran like a, a four three eight or something. I mean, a really talented uh, guy who I saw at Baylor several times this past year. I think will be an instant kind of playmaker and, you know, sometimes the guys who slide, especially those receivers who might find themselves at the end of the first round and pair themselves up with a really successful quarterback, uh, you know, or a good team, those guys maybe might even be your impact rookies. Frankly, I don't really understand, you know, the, the whole Justin Jefferson thing. I mean, I, I think this guy uh, is is unbelievable. I think, I mean, just watching him play at LSU this past season, I don't. I'm, it's kind of almost head scratching to me why he is not talked about in the same sentence as Judy Ruggs and CD Lamb. I mean, I think a lot of people thought he wouldn't have a ton of speed. Comes out, runs a four four three. I think Jefferson is a is a playmaker, and whoever gets him, I think, is getting a really really good football player, maybe in the middle to late of that first round. Barrett Jones from ESPN Radio, college football analyst with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. I need your help on the back end. You know the Bears do not have Ha Clinton Dix or uh, Prince of Mukamara anymore. They've gone off to other teams, and so there's going to be a need uh, on the back end of the secondary with Kyle Fuller. So how good is Xavier McKinney from uh, Alabama as a free safety? It's something the Bears have to address here. Yeah, Xavier McKinney's a really good player. Um, you know, and, and I, uh, I, Eddie Jackson's still a bear, isn't he? Back there in the back end? He's back there, yeah. Is that right? Okay, yeah, so he's, he's had some pretty good seasons. I guess you pair him up with another, another Alabama guy back there, but yeah, I think Alabama's defense was probably not what it has been in years past. And so, you know, there was a lot of kind of just tossing the baby out with the bathwater this year where everyone just sort of assumed that everyone in Alabama's defense wasn't very good when the reality was there were certainly some major weak points 
the secondary actually played pretty well uh, for, for most of the season. I mean, Trevon Diggs, another guy who I think will be drafted uh, in the first few days, is a, a pretty good player. And then Xavier McKinney, uh, a very good safety. So there's some really talented guys on that back end. And I think Xavier McKinney is going to make a fantastic football player at the next level. Uh, can kind of play both of those safety positions, which seems to be uh, more of, of the modern way football is played, where you can play in the box and you can go out and cover. And uh, I, I really like I like his game a lot, and I think he would really fit well in what the Bears do schematically. What was the draft process like for you back in 2013, Barrett? Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, I, I actually hurt my foot really bad uh, at the end of the year. Uh, I tore. Uh, some ligaments in my foot and had to have major reconstructive surgery right after the national championship, whatever the day after I flew to Charlotte and had surgery. So I went to the combine, uh, but because of that, I was really up in the air. I had no idea kind of where I was going to be drafted and, uh, you know, ended up just sitting at home uh, with my family and watching the whole process unfold and had some, some friends there with me. And, uh, yeah, I, I knew I was going to be drafted in the first round, but second, third, you know, day two came and went and it uh, didn't happen. And so, Really, you know, it's funny the way the draft works. I think I, I talked to probably three teams pretty intensely, and I, I really felt like I'd probably go to one of those three teams. Ended up getting drafted by the Rams in the fourth round, and that was not one of the three teams I thought I would get drafted by. So you just really never know. And, you know, it really is a pretty wild scenario in life. And I, I'm kind of a type A guy who likes to know what's in front of me and likes to, you know, kind of have some semblance of control over what's happening to me. And, yeah, you know, for, for that it was the the draft is very opposite of that where you really have no control and you just know that hey I'm I'm going to move to one of 32 cities here uh, and it's going to be kind of set out and determined for me and so you know it was a big faith building experience for me and I was glad I had my family around me and uh, it was it was really uh, it was pretty cool with the, the spot ended up in ended up only you know being about four hours from home in St Louis and really enjoyed my time there so it was a fun experience and uh, it's kind of one of those things where. You say it's a good experience, but you never want to do it again. I think that's probably <laughs> how most people feel about it. It's the same thing with the combine, where you go and you know you're, I'm glad I did it, but I probably would never want to do it again. Well, as always, Barrett, I appreciate your time, and, and we're we're going to have college football this year, right? Right? Uh, I sure hope so. You know, I, I'm, look, I'm no uh, epidemiologist, so I don't know how this whole thing's going to pan out, but uh, and I really hope we get in at least part of a season. I think it'll be interesting. To see how it plays out, you know, I think I've heard a lot of talk of, well, surely this will be gone by, you know, September. And, uh, you know, like it seems like all the calculations I'm seeing, maybe it will be gone by September. But I, I think people need to keep in mind that you got to give these guys some time to train and get ready for the season. They can't just roll out of bed and hop right into a situation where, you know, they're playing games. That would not be uh, the safe way to, to, you know, handle these student athletes. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm sure they're uh, coming up with contingency plans now. But uh, I, for one, will, you know, there's, there's a joke going on right now in the South where it's if you want people to take social distancing seriously in the South, just tell them that they might ruin football season. And so, uh, you know, hopefully people are getting the message and, uh, you know, we can, we can uh, have college football season. That's the hope. Uh, but, you know, as, as you well know, like all of us listening, you know, safety first and then whatever happens, happens. I don't know how that's going to work with fans because the patentry of college right. football starts with fans first. I don't care what level we're talking about. So uh, as a college football fan, I hope it returns. But, again, we got to be safe first and then we'll get out from underneath this curve and then we'll see what happens from there. That's all we can do. No, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, talk about close quarters. I mean, if anybody on the team has coronavirus and – you're out there practicing, you know, and you're, you're trading uh, a lot of, uh, you know, sweat and, and, you know, blood and all kind of fluids with each other anytime you're going through some kind of camp-style practice. So uh, I would imagine if there's some kind of, 
you know, disease, it could spread pretty quickly. So obviously, uh, you, you know, certainly the fans, but also just as a player, it'd be tough if anyone on the team obviously had it to shut down operations for a few weeks. So it definitely, there, there could be a lot of problems presented, uh, you know, if it's still around at that point, not only for fans, but just, the, you know, the players. Barrett, as always, I appreciate when you come on. Thanks for coming on and all the best to you and your family. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on, man. It is Barrett Jones, uh, former Chicago Bear, ESPN college football analyst with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000. All right, coming up, we're going to hear from a medical doctor who will tell us when the NFL could return. Will it be on time? We'll hear from this medical doctor on that uh, based on everything we're seeing here with COVID-19 and more as we move forward here on Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app will have Tales from the Hood coming up at the 835 mark. I will, I'll, I'll let you know what we're going to ask, as a matter of fact. Well, I'll tell you right now what Tales from the Hood will be. It will be a question that we'll ask you that is based on my Facebook wall, facebook.com, Jonathan Hood. And the question is, name, name the one sport or event that you are missing the most during this hashtag shelter in place during this um, time that we're going through right now during this pandemic what the name the one sport or the name the one event that you're missing the most during this shelter in place um i'll just tell you before we hear from this medical doctor regarding the nfl uh, one of the things i'm missing is a wedding i'm supposed to be going to in um in kansas um and davis if you've you've heard my stories about um my in-laws that live in uh topeka um I'm okay with missing that one. <laughs> Got no problem missing that one. Uh, it won't. We won't have the the flight uh, into uh, Topeka and uh, spending time in a very odd city. So I have to worry about that because last time that happened, you know, that wasn't uh, that was okay. It was very odd. Just put it that way, very strange. Especially when one of the people in the party that we were at a couple of years ago, they said hey mrs mrs hood my name is shirley and she curtsied right in front of us held her dress out like it was the 1910s it's very strange so uh we i don't have to worry about that we move on now to that that, very good thank you sean we move on now to the nfl medical doctor um so he was on the adam schefter podcast so it's interesting because as we well, no, we don't know when we will um, see sports again because of this pandemic. Um, but Tom Mayer, who was an NFL uh, medical doctor, was on the Adam Schefter podcast. He talked about a number of things, including will there uh, be an NFL season? And if we do have one, what's it going to look like? Well, the, Adam, the, uh, the easy answer and the hard answer are the same answer, which is it's too soon to tell. And, and that's not meant to deflect the question in any way. Uh, as you know from our past experience, I don't deflect questions at all. Uh, the, the answer is that what we do now will determine whether or not there's a season in terms of, of you know, two fundamental things. One is the players themselves. Uh, club employees, coaches, and everybody else. 
but also the the cities in which they they play, in which they reside, in which they uh, play their games. Um, and, and those two things are going to have to be looked at very carefully. So we've encouraged the league to start to put into place uh, a guideline, a roadmap, for lack of a better term, to say, you know, at what point could the club facilities safely open? Because my job is to protect the health and safety of our NFL players and, and their uh, and their families, including their extended family. Uh, so there's that piece. And then you start to think about, okay, what would a game look like? Uh, is it sort of like the NBA was thinking about? And, and that is you could, ha- you could have games but not people in the stadium. Uh, how could you safely get people into the stadium? Does that involve shaking temperatures? other screening procedures. Um, so uh, the point is that I, I think we're going to know a lot more uh, in May, June, late May, early June. That would be in all likelihood based on our brain trust and and, and people like Tony Fauci and, and Deborah Burks and others uh, would probably be uh, uh, about the time that uh, the hotspots began to open up again for, for their own business and then follow from there. So OTAs probably not going to happen. Uh, as you know, the clubs are are uh, have are closed for now and, and will remain closed for a while. Uh, but I'm I'm very optimistic. You know, you look at somebody like Drew Brees and Brittany Brees gave five million dollars to New Orleans, and you you may have heard uh, Drew the other day say, "Hang in there, hang tough." And and that's what we have to do. We have to hang in there and hang tough. But we have to uh, scenario plan. Uh, for disasters uh, in terms uh, the, the way we did it uh, at 9-11. I know how important a date that is uh, for your family. Uh, as you know, I was the command physician at the Pentagon on that date. And as once that's done, you start to scenario plan and say, okay, what do we do next time? How could we improve what we've done? So all that stuff uh, is uh, on our side is going through, and, and obviously we've encouraged the league to do their side and uh, to provide the safe environment, and including how do we play games and what that might look like. So I, I'm optimistic by nature, and uh, we're smart people uh, in America, and uh, I, I think we can get this stuff. So, I mean, I think that we all can be optimistic as – uh, fans of sports and just as people in general that will come out from underneath this. I've said this many times to lead off our broadcast that I feel strongly that we'll be able to have uh, our sports again. Here's the one thing for sure is that we'll never be the same based on what we see every day with this COVID-19 and the amount of people that are perishing in hospitals and in homes all across this country and around the world, the numbers just continue to raise. And so I will still be steadfast in the belief that we have to wait until it is safe for number one, for us to be able to go outside um, to, for us to be able to not have social distancing for us to be able to, um, go to events, just go into the park, just go into the lakefront. We can't do that because that's closed down here in Chicago. Um, the, the whole thing for me is when it comes to sports, once sports does return, if there are no fans in the stands, I totally understand because I understand that the social distancing is still something that is something that is major, uh, that, um, uh, you have to make sure that everyone is safe. And that the number one thing I'm concern with with this is the safety of you and me and people in our circle and families and even people we don't know we're i'm concerned about the safety of them and making sure that if we shake hands or if we embrace that we're not going to catch COVID 19 or we won't be in a position where it's going to put us in a bad spot health wise to the point of death 
that's where I'm concerned with first. Sports will come back. We just don't know when. And I know for some, and we'll get to this coming up in our next segment, there are some people are kicking and screaming because there's no sports, there is no getaway. But reality hits you in the face. Reality hits you in the face one way or another. You cannot isolate your life in thinking that well, everything's good, everything's positive 100% of the time. There's tragedy that happens in our world, and it doesn't have to be related to our family. It happens in our own family, within our own circle of friends, or someone that you know, or someone that you once knew. It always happens. You, you, cannot, um, you can't get around it. And so when it comes to the NFL or any sport, I have no idea when the timetable is for the return. You don't either. So I'm just continually every day watching the doctors and finding out more about the curve and finding more about COVID-19 and making sure I'm here to be able to give you a little bit of um, a distraction from everything that's going on right now. But when it comes to sports, it goes right back to COVID-19 because we're just trying to figure out what is the timeline for the sports to return. And again, that's just the great unknown. We have no idea. We will give you Tales from the Hood that is coming up next right here on UCH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Time for Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan Hood with you. We will talk WrestleMania with the world's strongest man, WWE Hall of Famer, Mark Henry will be on the program coming up at 9 o'clock. Look forward to talking to Mark about uh, his time, his first time at WrestleMania and this weekend's WrestleMania, which is very strange and unique. It's not going to take place in an arena or in a stadium like it normally does. So it's, we're going to ask Mark about the how unique WrestleMania is. Well, Tales from the Hood stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between, usually. But lately, we've been going to Facebook and going to the phone lines and talking to you. If you're listening to the program, you can jump in on this, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. So the question that we have for you, and I put this up three hours ago on Facebook, and you can join us as well, is name the one sport or event that you are missing the most during this shelter in place, during this um, pandemic that we're going through. And so I go through the list. It's funny, what popped up on my Snapchat, at SnapJHood, that pops up Memories too, which I think I already knew, but I kind of forgot. It just kind of popped up on my phone. that three years ago, during this time, I was in Phoenix with Jeff Dickerson for the Final Four. Uh, Jeff and I have been going to Final Fours for about a dozen years, broadcasting from the sites, whether it's in Atlanta or Indianapolis or New Orleans or Phoenix was the first time that uh, he and I went together. And boy, Dan Marley's got so much of my money in Scottsdale. He's got so much. He owns like three or four bars there. It was, gosh, that was uh, that got messy after a while. Um, but it was interesting. Uh, but Dan Marley, he owes me a lot of money. He needs to give me any reparations for my time in Phoenix uh, slash Scottsdale. Um, 
but that popped up and I'm looking at my calendar or what was my calendar and today was supposed to be a travel day for me to go to Atlanta for the final four and we're supposed to broadcast from there on Thursday and Friday uh, the second and third because of the final four and that's not the case now because the uh, March Madness is canceled so I went to Facebook facebook.com and asked you um, name the one sport or event that you are missing the most during this pandemic and many that are on here talked about the tournament, the uh, NCAA March Madness. I think it's because of the pageantry of college foot, uh, college basketball. When you get through that bracket and you find out who's going to be the, the Elite Eight and the Final Four, it's still intriguing. Even today in 2020, where it's still about blue bloods and maybe you get maybe a team that you're not expecting in there, like when we saw Loyola a few years ago, uh, to see a George Mason in there, or some of these other teams that have a nice run in the tournament. It's always intriguing because it seems to me that college basketball fans, at least around these parts here, really start gearing up in January and February to get themselves ready for March Madness to win their pool or just to watch the madness. And so a lot of people chimed in the tournament. Brian Solar said WrestleMania, like actual WrestleMania, not whatever this show is going to be this weekend. Um, Dan Lewis says, how about two? He says, my daughter's soccer and my boy's baseball. Yeah, from a non-pro level, if you have kids that are supposed to be playing sports, um, you know, with 50-degree weather, you know, whether softball or baseball, uh, you can't do that because uh, the schools are closed. So Brian's talk, uh, Dan was talking about that. Noel Santos says, Major League Baseball without question, missing baseball. And, hey, we're supposed to be hosting the baseball show. That was supposed to start. Uh, the week of opening day. We're supposed to start that show, I believe, on the 23rd of March. And here we are on April 1st. No baseball, so no baseball show yet. I was looking forward to hosting that show. And hopefully at some point between now and October, I will host a baseball show and talk about the Cubs and Sox and everything else, Major League Baseball, but not yet while everything is postponed. I'm scrolling down here. Um, Cheryl says the NBA playoffs. Um, and, and that's a good question about uh, the NBA, too, because the NBA is trying to find a way to get the players back on the floor. We just, again, we don't know where that would take place. We've heard a lot of different odd suggestions on what the NBA players should do and how would you start it. If I'm the commissioner, if I'm Adam Silver of the NBA, I'm starting with the first 16 their best eight in the East and the West and go from there because those other teams in the West and East are, they're not going to catch up. They're not catching up with, um, you know, the teams that are the seventh or eighth seeds, like the bulls or, you know, teams like that. They're not catching up. So I would say the, the top 16 teams start the playoffs and then move forward from there. So Cheryl says she's missing the NBA playoffs and possibly the NBA finals during this time, uh, in April into May. Um, Tim Scanlon says the PGA says they would be gearing up now for the Masters tournament right about now. Um, it just sucks as I enjoy Sunday afternoon golf as I get dinner ready. That, that paints a picture, right? Golf is in the backdrop at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You're getting ready for dinner on Sunday. It ends about 5, 5.30, no matter what the tournament is. But he's talking about the PGA 
And and that was one of the questions that I had too about during this pandemic, because it's outside, because if you want, didn't want to have a gallery, that's a possibility to still have golf and some of these tournaments. But even golf has been shut down during this time as well. Um, Kevin Johnson says baseball. Um, the opening month of baseball says Jason Rayburn. Let me see. Um, Keith says, I'm going to miss college football once they cancel that. Again, that's something that's still not determined just as of yet. Uh, again, college uh, college football takes place in late August or early September around Labor Day. Uh, who knows um, what that looks like on the NFL or college level. If there's fans in the stands, we have no idea. But that's still a long way away. Again, we can be hopeful, but it's got to be realistic as far as people being safe. Let's see what else we got here. Got an NCAA tournament from Stan Zoller. Scrolling down here. The first NHL playoffs from John. John says the NHL playoffs. Uh, something the Blackhawks would not be a part of if they were doing it anyway. Um, scrolling down here. And I'm looking at a few other ones here. A lot of base, a lot of people missing baseball. White Sox, Cup fans. Um, and a lot of March Madness as I go through here as well. So... Yeah, I'm looking through here. Someone said, Jay says uh, he had my flight purchased for um, an International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend. And that's now that's not happening. That is true. Um, the Sugar Shane and Bernard Hopkins have to wait. But I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Man. Um, you know what? I'll give Bernard Hopkins credit. But I was going to say. Bernard Hopkins maybe was in a uh, one fight too many, but I think he got out just at the right time. I think that's I'll, I'll get because uh, I always thought, okay, now he's more of a promoter now and he's get, making money that way. But I always liked his fights and I was hoping that he would not be in boxing so long that you know his brain just scrambled and he can't function. But I think Hopkins got out at the right time. I think he did. He got the most. He squeezed the most out of that orange. He definitely got the most juice. Um, and you, yeah, sugar, and you said Sugar Shane Mosley. Sugar too. Shane Mosley as well. Yeah. So yeah, and I, and I liked him too. He was, he was good. He was uh, a good boxer, but with the light brown eyes. Um, see, scrolling down here, NCAA tournament WrestleMania. <laughs> Don Don says people watching. She just misses people watching. Well, she knows everybody at the church. She doesn't have to worry about people watching. I mean, she have to. <laughs> she's, Don, Don goes to, to victory in uh, Harvey. It's like he says, "I miss people watching." Well, you know all those members. Yeah, you, know, you got to break them and not have to watch them all the time. So it's an interesting list here, and uh, that is tales from the hood right here on ESPN One Thousand. You can add on your list as well. Is there something in particular you're missing right now during this time? It's one thing to say I'm missing sports, any kind of sports, but specifically, there's a lot of people just kind of weighed in on missing the baseball season or missing golf. Uh, missing hockey, the NHL playoffs. Uh, just for me, during this time, definitely is March Madness because I've been, as I mentioned, to a 10 or 11, I think it's going to be our 12th um, NCAA tournament uh, Final Four that we're going to go to this year. And now we won't be able to do that because of um, what's happening with COVID-19. But Where did that uh, Phoenix trip out to the Final Four fit into your top three? Your top three Final Four experiences. Okay, well, <clears throat> I think that that would be, Davis, I would say that was probably third or f probably third. Because the I think there, the first two times going to New Orleans, there's one and two. 
and then Phoenix would be third. Here's why New Orleans is the first two. The first time I went to the final, God, some of the stuff I can't tell. Uh, the first time I went to the final four for in New Orleans, um, I'm going down Bourbon Street with a couple of other radio stations, and we got to be able to make sure we paint the picture here because when you are broadcasting from a Final Four, there are other stations that are at a, you know, in, at a space, you know, like you're able to share space with other radio stations that are there uh, for Radio Row. And so you just become friendly with some of these, um, you know, t- talk show hosts that do the same thing we do in these radio shows in Houston, uh, in New Orleans, in Florida, across the country, right? So that they come from all over the country yeah. to be to be there for the Final Four. So, well, so Dickerson and I became fast friends with um, with a couple of guys from Atlanta and from Houston. And so we're walking down Bourbon Street. And we're just having a good time, and we're just off to the side. And all of a sudden, we see somebody in a purple um, pimp hat. And a whole like robe, like a big, like a robe or either a jacket that was purple oh, no. also. And he had pimp shoes uh, and he had a cane and he just had a stare. He never blinked. He just kept walking right down the middle of Bourbon Street. People just like parted like the Red Sea, right? They just moved out of the way to left and right of Bourbon Street and watching this guy walk down the street. And I had a good angle on him and I just kind of looked over and I go, oh, damn. <laughs> the- I mean, it, it, I, th- I think I th- is that. Oh no, no! And I was, and people are looking at me like, "What? What? Do you know who that is?" I said, "Yeah, yeah. I think that's Terrence Howard." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, yes, so it was. It was Terrence Howard, longtime actor, right? Uh, born in Chicago. Terrence Howard was just. He was out of uh, clearly. He was not of this earth. I don't know where where he thought he was going, but for whatever reason, he had this whole outfit on, this whole pimp outfit, and he's just walking right down the middle of Bourbon Street, and people like Terrence here, and like he's not answering anybody. I don't know where he thought he was, but he just kept walking all the way into the darkness of Bourbon Street. And if you've ever been to Bourbon Street, you know where the, the darkness is. Uh, and he just kept walking down that way. And people were trying to follow him, and he just, he, people were trying to get his autograph or trying to get a picture. It wasn't happening. He just kept staring and just kept walking in one direction. I don't know what he was doing or where he's going, but that was my first experience. And you can't beat that. That didn't happen in Phoenix. <laughs> I was trying to think, was that post hustle and flow? Maybe he was still in character. Uh, I think. Well, th- th- he's been known for that. Um, <laughs> Say, Mike. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you, when every, every role he's ever been in is, uh, hey man. You, you get off that man. I mean, if, if everything that he's ever done is the same character, um, so <laughs> so that was strange. So yeah, I think the first couple of times in New Orleans, uh, and then you get to, uh, and then you get to Phoenix. Houston's right there in the mix too. Uh, I was in Houston. That was a fun time. Houston, where is where I I showed people that uh, we don't do the um, the velvet rope thing. We don't do the Jonathan Hood doesn't do the velvet rope. Like, I, I know this is not my city. Uh, but, um, the, the idea that I'm going to stand in line to get into some parties, like, no, 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 no. See, it's not that I rep my, myself. I rep the city. <laughs> excuse me, Chicago, excuse me, excuse me, Chicago. And you just, that you just kind of just bogart your way through by saying Chicago's here. That that's what I do. Uh, we didn't grow up doing that. We were pretty much 
you know, knock on the, the kitchen door, our homies let us in or walk in with the DJ. We, we always had a hookup to get in. I'm not saying that I'm so like so big that I can't stand behind a line. I just I don't like them. I don't I don't like being questioned. If I'm going to go into your facility and go into your, your bar, your club and I'm going to spend money. Uh, that that should be good enough. The, uh, I'm not standing 20, 25 minutes outside. Uh, I've told the story before about how embarrassed I was of our city where I saw, I won't say, but it was outside of a club not too far from our station here uh, on the other side of the river in which I saw Jermaine Dye and A.J. Brzezinski standing outside with, with patrons trying to get into a, a club. And I'm like, what? what? And this is like 06. <laughs> After the World Series. And they were still standing. There's no way yes. I'm standing in line. I just won a World Series. In the rain. No way. Yep. True story. In the rain. And I was just like, what like what is this? It's like there's no way. No way. And it's it's not because I've been in you know in the radio or entertainment business for a long time and I'm not I'm too good to, it's not that. It's just that I just don't like lines. I just don't like, I don't, I don't like to have to stand in line all that, that time. And then you're going to check me anyway, check and you think I'm going to be carrying something. So just do what you got to do, but I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get inside. I gotta spend some money for you. <laughs> but, but the Terrence Howard, that whole thing though, you, you can't beat that. That was uh very odd that that happened. I thought you were about to describe like they were filming a Dave Chappelle skit or something. No, there was no cameras. I don't know where Terrence was going. I, like, he was just walking down the street, down Bourbon Street. It's like, because that was strange. And everybody just moved out of the way. It's also, also the time, also the time where you get on Bourbon Street and you have these, uh, you know, the barmaids, I guess that's what you, you would refer to them. They come out to the street and they offer you these vials of drinks of different colors. That was a thing also. And the test tubes? Yes. Right? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, there's no way I'd do that in 2020 now. <laughs> but during that time, like, like like 15 years ago, whatever, those two, those vials, and they're like, they they grab the back of your head, and then and then you're supposed to go down on the drink of your part in the expression. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, that was a thing. That was, a, that, was, that was my first experience with that. I said, well, I'll have a few more. <laughs> well, that tasted good. How about another? How about four or five? Four or five more. That was always interesting. All right. We will uh, hear from Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, coming up at the top at uh, 9 o'clock. We'll get his thoughts about WrestleMania as we move forward here on Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the ground at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. You know, I should probably put San Antonio on the list as well for great NCAA Final Four spots, too. San Antonio, the first time I was in San Antonio, I, um, I remember... I gotta go back and look because I don't remember the year because they start to blend together, Davis. But I believe it was um, one of these years where Duke lost in one of the Final Fours. Can't remember which one because they've been to so many. But I remember um, go after the Final Four was over, or at least that the, the Saturday part. We didn't get to the championship game yet, but the Final Four. I remember going back to the Riverwalk. 
and Chris Duhon was in his full uniform after the loss. <laughs> I, I do recall that. Like, apparently, he couldn't wait to get back to the club uh, in, in, on the Riverwalk there. And I was like, wait, he's still in full uniform. So that's probably 2001. 2002 around that area yeah see, i don't remember. they yeah. all blend together so i just remember that was my time and i remember do you find it odd that chris duhan was still in his uniform though that's that's the key that was very strange at the time trevor bauer uh with some thoughts how baseball can be accessible to fans when it returns now we think about trevor bauer who's very outspoken when it comes to major league baseball and you know it's the kind of guy that i like because he brings to the table um some 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 kind of flavor that you don't get a lot of in baseball. Usually baseball guys like to keep everything under the vest. They don't like to cause any trouble. The whole Astros thing is finally where you can start to hear players really tell you how they feel. What Trevor Bauer was talking about when baseball returns, how it can be accessible to fans. What can baseball do if it's the first sport back? What can baseball do if it's the first sport back to really take advantage of that? Man, it's this is back to my rant about baseball industry in general. Uh, there's a huge opportunity here to have baseball be the only thing that people are watching, but you can't be the only thing people are watching if people can't watch your sport. So that's the that, that's the first thing. Like the first thing baseball needs to do is make sure that everybody can watch their product. That's tricky right now because of all the blackouts, uh, paying for MLB TV, pay, not being able to watch your hometown team. Maybe you don't have the cable provider that you need to have in LA or, you know, Canada can't watch the Blue Jays now or, you know, whatever the case, all these, all these deals that have been struck that people can't watch the product. Make it free. Like make the first month of baseball completely free for the country to watch. Get them hooked. Or just make it like, hey, download this free app. And, uh, watch baseball all you want, but there's going to be ads on it and there's going to be like, whatever, you know, like there's other ways to make money without having to charge people for the product itself, or you can charge them for the product itself, you know, but just make it accessible. I mean, there's tons of baseball fans that would pay 150 bucks a year. That's, uh, less than $30, um, a month to watch baseball. Because they'd be able to watch their favorite team, but they're not going to pay 150 bucks a year if they can't watch their favorite team on the stupid app. Uh, so that's one thing. Make sure that people can watch your product. Another thing is to get your product out on social media a lot. You know, stream games live on on the internet. Put some VR cameras in the dugout. Get get creative with the media strategies to try to engage different fan. You know, different um, uh, demographics of fans age wise. That's another thing they can do. Thoughts there from Trevor Bauer. He's always outspoken, got some ideas. Yeah, baseball has to be more modernized. It's got to be more like what we see with with even soccer uh, and the NFL and the NBA. You know, baseball still makes a lot of money. There's no doubt. They still have a strong revenue stream, even though it's regional. But at the same time, you hear modern ideas from Trevor Bauer about how the game could be different. All right, coming up, it is WrestleMania weekend. It doesn't, doesn't feel like WrestleMania weekend because it's not taking place in a building, not a stadium or an arena. We'll talk to the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, about the WWE and WrestleMania coming up next right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. 